is Tuesday, and I hope you are teed up for some pro wrestling punditry because you know we are. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, joined here as I am every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. Thank you, Nick, and happy Prime Day to you. Ah, thank you. Is, is that what to, is Prime Day? Uh huh. Is that what is it? What, Amazon Prime Day? Well, it's, it's it's Amazon Prime Day, but also as I like to think about it, it's the day we remember Optimus Prime and the sacrifice he made for us in the 1980s Transformers movie. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Go go buy your uh, your your fidget spinners and your and your electrical cords. Whatever. And else. that was not a sponsor plug. We are not we are not sponsored. <laughs> At least not to my knowledge, we're not sponsored by Amazon, are we? I don't think so. I yeah. don't think so. Uh, but there you go. Enjoy your Prime. Go get yourself something nice today. Treat yourself. On this Tuesday. It's like all garbage, dude. All that stuff on Amazon they're selling on sales like, like you said, fidget spinners and fidget spinner knockoffs. That's all it is. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Some people like those fidget spinners and those sp fidget spinner knockoffs. And if that's what you want, <laughs> again, treat yourself. It's Prime Day. Uh, well, we got you a, a great episode of the Winkly here. We're going to treat you to some uh, audio, some pro wrestling punditry audio right there in your ear holes. Uh, before we get to the news of the day and our interview guest here, I want to send out a couple uh, you know, uh, well, first we'll send out a congratulations here. I want to congratulate the machine, the current Impact Wrestling champion, Brian Cage, and Melissa Santos, uh, his new wife. They were officially married over the weekend. Congratulations to them both. Uh, Woo! Wish them the wish them the best. Uh, the first couple of Impact Wrestling now with uh, Johnny Impact uh, away and gone. Uh, also, I want to send out our best to a WWE Hall of Famer legend, Harley Race. Uh, he was in the hospital this weekend after experiencing some symptoms that needed to be checked out. Uh, it should be noted that Harley has been battling lung cancer. No word if Harley's been released yet or not, uh, but we're thinking about you, Harley. I have a lot of friends here, especially in the Midwest, that trained with Harley Race, owe their career to that man. I know Triple H was also uh, trained and heavily influenced by Harley Race, so sending our, be sending our best out to Harley here today, uh, thinking about you to start the show. Uh, also... Let's get to it here. Later on, after the news, big interview here today to start this week off. A man that has been making headlines for weeks now, for months now, all about his Impact Wrestling status, his current uh, feud with John Moxley, his girlfriend Scarlett Brudeau, and much, much more. That is right. The man himself, Killer Cross, the Nihilist, is going to be here today talking all about his career, where he's going, this, this feud, all of that. Killer Cross here today. I love that. I've been trying to get Cross for a while now. I was so happy to finally get him, and, and and he is, you know, it's interesting, Michael, because he like does the first ninety seconds of the interview, kind of like in his Killer Cross, <laughs> like yeah. he's, you know, he's trying to play it like he's uh, in character, and then he just kind of throws it out the window, and he's like, you know what, man, let's just talk. And <laughs> he's then, like, I gotta save my voice for something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And he's like, nah, let's just do this thing. So that's I, a big get there. That's awesome, dude. Killer Cross, man. And you know what? I, at the end of the show, I'll announce who we're gonna have on tomorrow. This is just gonna be a big fun week. I already know that who's gonna be on next week too. And I can promise you all, big guests popping and dropping here on the Winkly. Uh, also, if you are interested, over on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel, I was, again, uh, covering the latest AEW show. This one was down in Jacksonville. Fight for the Fallen. We will talk about that show later on in the show. I think I may or may not have lost 10 pounds of sweat covering hmm. Fight for the Fallen here in Jacksonville. Uh, but if you uh, enjoyed the show, you want to see the scrums, Tony Khan, Dustin, Brandy, Cody Rhodes, uh, and Chris Jericho, all of their post-show scrums. We have the full videos up on our YouTube channel right now. You are welcome to go find those comments and the things I said that may or may not have upset some of the people at AEW. So there you go. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll get to that here all at the end of the end of the news block. We'll talk some AEW stuff. But let's start it off here with news you can use, news that will leave a bruise. Let's do a WWE Extreme Rules Raw block to start the show. The big news of the past five days, Michael Weissman, is, of course, Brock Lesnar cashed in the Money in the Bank Brock box 
to capture Seth Rollins' Universal Championship. Rollins won a 10-man cross-brand Battle Royal the next night to become the number one contender for Brock, so he'll get his rematch at SummerSlam. What did you think of the way this played out, Michael? You know, I love the build-up to it all week, right? Paul Heyman comes out on Monday night, teases he might do this on Sunday, or he might not. You'll have to tune in to find out. Comes out in the middle of the show Sunday night, says again, Brock's going to be here, or maybe he won't. Guess you'll have to tune in to find out, right? I think we all expected something big because they did save that winner-take-all match for the end cap of the show Sunday evening. And yeah, Brock came out. You know, listen. I know there are lots of feelings about Brock Lesnar as your universal champion, and I respect all of that because I agree, right? People are like, well, no, he's the champion, and the babyface is going to chase the heel. I, I love the classic wrestling booking. WWE has not delivered on this storyline time and time and time again, and, and we've seen this, Seth Rollins chasing Brock, just earlier this year. I get why they'd go with it again, though, because they, they see Seth as their guy, and they see Brock as their moneymaker, so you had on another pay-per-view with both of them. I get that. My big issue here, though, is the way all of this went down. I thought Extreme Rules, uh, bottom the top, was actually a really good show. Man, uh, me too. And, and really strong show. Yeah. And I, I think that to me, right around the ten thirty block, though, is whenever they lost me. Um, that, that you know that winner take all match went on way too long. I think it needed to be about twelve minutes if they were going to book it the way they did. It just kind of drug. And I liked Seth hulking out at the end of that show to, to beat the crap out of Baron Corbin for the win. In fact, I wish Baron Corbin had just said, I quit and given up <laughs> because he was getting the crap beat out of him so much. The pinfall took it out of, out of the moment for a little bit for me. But, but Seth looks a little bit like a chump here because he's all hulked up and then he doesn't go check on Becky, right? The whole reason he's hulked up right now, shouldn't he care about her more than the championship, right? They're lovers. And then he just literally falls into an F5. He didn't even fight back against it. So all of those three things kind of took me out of that for a little bit. I wish there had been something, just a tweak to that segment. It's nitpicking. I, I know that. Uh, so that's kind of my, my big takeaway here. But overall, though, a really great show. Yeah, I thought Extreme Rules was really good. I, I agree with a lot of what you said there at the finish. Although I will say uh, when Braun hit Becky with uh, – uh, oh, what's, his, what's, his, what's that called? The swinging uh, face buster that he does. Uh, end of days. When he hit her with yeah. the end of days – I was like, oh, my God, is my prediction going to come true? Is he going to pin Becky right now? I really thought they were going to go that. Because I was like, you know, it seemed like they were trying to baby Brock a bit on this show, especially under yeah. the new Heyman regime. And I was like, oh, so, like, Baron pins Becky, Brock beats Corbin? I could I could see that, but that's not at all where they went with this. And I, I think you're right. I thought Seth did look a little bit neutered here, even though he did, you know, of course, get to hook up and beat the crap out of, of Baron to get that win and, you know, protect the, protect his woman there. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think historically people are going to look back on the pairing of Becky and Seth and say, man, should have kept him apart. Right. I mean, Seth was on such fire coming out of WrestleMania, Becky too. I know people knew that they were together, but I think putting them together like this and all the save by the bell kind of stuff, it's, it, it's, it's taken away from both characters. And, um, I, I, I mean, I don't think Seth wins this title back at SummerSlam. I would think they're going to keep this belt on him. So I don't know where you leave. I don't know where that leaves Seth in all this. Well, you always see them moving Becky and Seth apart right now, right? Like even yeah. last night on Raw, Absolutely. they both are going to very distinctively different storylines. And I think they're they're responding to feedback, which is a lot quicker than they normally do this kind of thing. So that's good. True. And again, it's three and a half weeks or four weeks, whatever it is, until SummerSlam. It's not that far away. Paul Heyman's at the helm. I can see them not wanting to go deeper into a different kind of feud, which is why, again, you go back to Seth Rollins here, but you're exactly right. Seth is not going to walk out of here with the championship. I think they're going to use this to spark something new between Brock and I'm hoping maybe some guy like Bobby Lashley. Maybe they revisit Brock and Braun, which is not a great match, but was a, a decent feud. So who knows? Who knows? Well, let's talk about Becky. You say two divergent paths here. Yes, Seth now marching into SummerSlam to take on Brock Lesnar, try to win back his title. 
Becky here will be going into SummerSlam to defend her Raw Women's Championship against Natalia. I was a little surprised by this. I mean, I thought Alexa Bliss would, would be the one to, to continue on her way here, but I guess we're going to see more of whatever Alexa and Nikki do, maybe in the tag team picture, maybe one against one another. Who knows? But Natalia is the woman here that's going to take on Becky at SummerSlam. Uh, the crowd was really not into this women's fatal four-way. Uh, Alexa, Naomi, they commented on Twitter about how the boring chants came out and how they felt disrespected, and, they, and they're like, well, this is why people don't get into the women's revolution when you hear these things. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Natalia is the, is the competitor for Becky here. I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, they're going to be in Toronto. She'll definitely get a big reaction, but she was like out of left field for me. I was not expecting Natalia to be the woman to step up to Becky here at all. I mean, that's a tough crowd. That's a tough arena to go into. It's a tough crowd. Always has been right. So it's not surprising. They kind of poo-pooed on this. The match was just, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. And I think again, this was too long, long. um, for what it needed to be. I like the pairing here, and I'll tell you why I like the pairing, right? It is. It's playing to the hometown crowd up in Canada, but I think the reason I like it is because of that closing thing they did last night. When Natalia and Becky were standing there, jawing off at one another, and then the referee had to get in between them, there was just some kind of instant spark and instant chemistry. Whatever the crowd thought that night doesn't matter to me. The feeling I got from seeing them face down each other was real palpable, and 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 I think that excites me about this matchup way more than I would have been if you had just told me on paper this was the match. So I think they're going to bring it. I, I think, you know, Natalia's great. Becky's great in the ring. So I think together they could have a really great match, and hopefully it does set Natalia up to, to be more kind of received well by the fans. She's done so much for the company. She's a solid performer. I, the fans just never seem to latch on to her. So. I, I don't know. I'm predicting some kind of Toronto screw job here. Anytime you put a heart in a title match, a high-profile mm. high title match in Canada – it's always at the back of my head here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, the New Day also coming out of Extreme Rules. They are your new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Cha- SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the New Day holding all the gold here. Right now, the Tag Team titles, the WWE Championship over SmackDown. Um, Daniel Bryan, after the title loss, cut this crazy post-match promo. It's definitely worth going out of your way to watch. Uh, it's all about how he tried to save WWE's tag team scene, but it can't be saved. He has to find another way to be the Planet's Champion. And on that note, WWE... Is, uh, is teasing for tonight's SmackDown that Daniel Bryan is going to make a career-altering announcement. Dun-dun-dun. Bryan has <laughs> promised that this will change the course of his career and shake SmackDown Live to its core. Daniel Bryan was removed from the Battle Royal last night on Raw, replaced by Sami Zayn. Um, this, uh, this gives me all of the, the deja vu of something that I did not enjoy, which was watching Daniel Bryan walk away the first time. Are you also getting that vibe or no? I, I think they're trying to evoke that vibe, but right. I don't think it's going to be that level of him retiring. You know, Agreed. I mean, uh, again, son, Ryan and Rowan, let's just give them credit here. They have made these SmackDown titles mean so much more with their brief run with them, and I've loved what they've done here. I'm hoping what this means, though, is that Brian is going back to some kind of singles competitor, you know, maybe challenging for the WWE Championship moving forward. Who knows? But, yeah, they, obviously they want to put the New Day out there and everybody has all the gold until Kofi loses. But but I don't know for Brian, man. I mean, maybe he goes to challenge Kofi. Maybe that's where we're going. I think so. Or, I think so. Yeah. 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 I think so. Rematch from WrestleMania here going into SummerSlam. Eric Rowan was not backstage when Brian cut this crazy promo. I don't really know what that means for him. I would love it if he at least addressed it if he's not going to have Rowan. I mean, you know, look. Keep him with, keep rowing with him. I think they're a great duo. But if you're not going to keep rowing with him, at least explain what's going to happen with him. Maybe he sends sure. him down to NXT on a quest to win gold there while he takes over the SmackDown roster. Or sends him over to Raw on a quest 
right? Something like that. A quest, Michael. A quest. A quest. It's like a video game, right? He's got to go find, save the princess and find the gems along the way. Watch too much Stranger Things 3 this July. You know what? It's all <laughs> D&D in my brain. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're on the money here. I think we see Daniel Bryan back in the singles picture. I think him and Kofi makes a lot of sense. Daniel Bryan, you know, again, uh, trying to get that title back that he lost at WrestleMania. Um, but... You know, this was this was a forgettable tag title run here with Rowan. I mean, and I was thinking it the whole time, too. It just never gained steam. Uh, I think it's a good idea to have the titles on the New Day. Then with, with Kofi, uh, it gives me shades of the Hart Foundation in the 90s where they were capturing all the gold and would carry it around with them. I dig it. I like it a lot. I mean, I think, uh, you know, they didn't have any great matches, but I do think having the titles on somebody like Brian and Rowan, he was there with him, right? But I, I think it did make it makes those championships feel a little bit more prestigious as a result. Nick, you there? Oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, damn! Oh, okay. there, there we so, go. Sorry, I hit. I was. I had to cough, and I hit my. I hit my button, and I muted <laughs> okay. myself. Got sorry, you. everybody. I should probably edit that out, but I probably didn't because I was busy. Uh, the Undertaker. He made news coming out of Extreme Rules. Uh, right? You like that? <laughs> should I keep it? In? I should definitely keep it in now, right? That yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, it was, that's great radio right there. Had my cough, I have my cough button over here. People are like, is this an ad spot or what's <laughs> Is this what you all want to hear? <clears throat> we can't allow wrestling over the breaks, so we can't allow podcasting over the breaks either. Jerks. Uh, all right. Um, all right. Back to my news. News I can use. News that has left a bruise now on my ego. Um, the Undertaker is back. He is in action here following his uh, match that was critically panned with Goldberg at Super Showdown. He is back. He looked great in this opening tag match with Roman Reigns against Shane and Drew McIntyre. Uh, Before I get to this, whatever, the CM Punk, uh, well, I'll say it. You know, after the match, this fan shared a photo of of Reigns and Taker standing over Shane and CM Punk uh, jokingly said, who is that, a fan who jumped the rail? So, you know, Punk getting a, a pot shot in there. But all that aside, yeah, I thought Undertaker looked great here. This got me back on the hook to see more Undertaker matches. Uh, Shane McMahon took the pinfall here in this match, correct? Yes. It was not Drew McIntyre. McIntyre was protected. I liked, uh, I re- I just thought this was, I thought this was the best Undertaker's looked and been used in years by WWE. I've been calling for him to retire. I mean, I've been saying we're done with Undertaker, right? He's just not looked great. And you're right. He was able to get up there and do his big moves. Like, he didn't take all the bumps, but yeah, he looked solid. He had energy. He was running across the ring to deliver his kind of his historic moveset here. He delivered a tombstone that looked great against Shane McMahon. You know, I liked a lot about seeing Taker out here. I don't know if I want to see him in tons and tons and tons of singles matches, but I had shades of his late career run against guys like, you know, Shawn Michaels and Triple H and so on. So, yeah, man, fantastic. Taker's back, baby. And also, AJ Styles, he was able to defeat Ricochet, started his third U.S. title reign. A lot of shenanigans here for the club. Um, But, you know, AJ on top with the club behind him. Ricochet, I would think, going into the chase here with AJ. Maybe not. Maybe going somewhere else. What would you think? You know, it's it's interesting because, they, again, separate. I mean, they brought Ricochet out last night, had him do something different, and still had him get beat down by AJ Styles. Right. I, I'm, it's weird to me they pulled the title off of him so soon because of the fact that it seems like you've heard the rumors Paul Heyman's high on him. They think Ricochet appeals to a certain demographic. So why would you take the championship off of him unless he's going to win it back at some point? But also, AJ Styles needs that championship to kind of cement 
the legacy of where the club is right now, especially if they talk about adding new members in the future. So it's curious, but also it's interesting. And I'm, I'm hooked on these two guys fighting again, a very, very, very good match Sunday night. And I think it's doing wonders for Ricochet, a guy who came up and, and didn't have a whole lot to do other than tag team wrestling, whatever, yeah. right? He's, he has a personality now, an identity. So it's, it's working. I dug when Ricochet came out and just started walloping on AJ in the middle of that. I think it was a six man tag they were doing yeah. last night. And dude, yep. you know, that, that match for me on raw, I mean, raw last night, put a pin in it for just a second raw last night to me was flat like yes. i i hate saying that but i from beginning to end it was almost just like i was watching a, a white screen i felt like there was not really anything that changed uh you know we were back to to rollins and, and lesnar by the end of the show just kind of flat but this right here i thought the fire ricochet showed coming out like that like a badass i liked the way he was used here it was one of the few times i think they've done that stop start matches to to you know go to commercials come back with action i thought it flowed very well so um, if, if the plan here is for Ricochet to find some backup, go up against AJ in the club, maybe the Usos, AOP, Street Profits, there's a lot of people you could go with. I think it's all right. I, 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 did, I, thought, I thought of all the people who, who had a chance to shine on Raw last night, I thought Ricochet did come across the most as a badass on the show. Absolutely. Although I do wish they would get rid of that stupid gunshot sound that <laughs> opens up his. Yeah. What is that? You like know, like it's like a damn Looney Tunes cartoon, right? It's like, and you know, we just came off Fight for the Fallen, where they're like, we're gonna try to be sensitive to to victims of gun violence, right? Yep. So I guess in my head, he's like, no, it's a marble, it's a slingshot, <laughs> right? That's what I think. Next week, the electric chair segments back. So. <laughs> Braun Strowman on uh, Extreme Rules, he dropped Lashley through a stage to win the Last Man Standing match. At Extreme Rules. Uh, our own Wrestling Inc. reader Ethan Kramer was at the show. He noted that before the match started, a producer. Played placed roughly 10 plants in the rows where the finish took place. As for the gimmick floor, Kramer stated that the crash pads were set up before the show started and were covered up by a black tarp. The section was uncovered while the lights were down and the video package was shown on the screen before the match started. During that time, the crane camera and security were put into place. So there's how all the magic was done for that. But, you know, again, two big dudes clubbering each other. Braun Strowman came out of this re looking real strong. I was surprised he didn't actually win the, the Battle Royal last night. Uh, on Monday Night Raw, I thought, you know, I was like, for him, for me, it was either him or Seth. Obviously, they went with mm -hmm. Seth, but I thought Braun would have, he was strong enough right now, I think would have been a good uh, opponent there for Lesnar as well. Yeah, it seemed like they were maybe setting him up for that from the big win on Sunday. Kudos to uh, Ethan Kramer for, for sending in that info. You know, I, I always find it funny when they do the plants because you can always tell immediately who the plants are, especially in segments like that because there was this one dude who was just, he's super into the match. Oh, man. You know, he's making his arm movements. He's wearing the WWE NXT shirt or whatever it was, right? Yeah. I, I love those guys, but the normal fans just kind of stand there and look, you know, I don't want to say look dumb, but they just kind of stand there like, oh, what's going on, you know? But the plants are always so energized. And then the, uh, I think it was the referee or security grabbed the one plant and shoved him to the side. That was pretty funny. But um, that was a fun match, though. I mean, it reminded me of the Attitude Era hardcore matches where they would fight into the back in the locker room. They would fight all over the place and just destroy everything. And, and I thought it really came across well on TV. Uh, Kevin Owens picked up a, a, a victory over Ziggler here in five seconds or less maybe here with the quick stunner. Uh, I don't really – I mean, obviously, they've got a lot planned with Owens. I'm sure on SmackDown, to site, uh, Smackdown tonight, we're going to see them do a lot with him. But Ziggler, you know, what is it? This guy just doesn't care. It takes money, right? <laughs> takes money, does whatever they tell him to do, goes back to doing comedy. Good good on him. Great. Poor dude. I mean, I mean, Owens, definitely shades of Stone Cold Sunday night from the way he delivered that from his feud against Shane McMahon. They're going a, a certain direction with him. But Ziggler, God, goes from being, you know, competing for the, the world championship to losing in three seconds. There you go. Shinsuke Nakamura captured the IC title from Finn Balor on the kickoff show 
Uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting Balor has requested two months off to re-energize. He's going to start that time off after SummerSlam. Uh, Balor was attacked by a returning Bray Wyatt on Raw last night. And the Observer reporting the plan is for Wyatt and Balor to square off at SummerSlam. Which do you want to take first, Nakamura's IC champ or or the Bray Wyatt return? I, Nakamura's IC champ winning it on the pre-show or the kickoff show, I guess is what we're allowed to call it now, is um, an interesting choice here. But uh, this, I'm glad he has it. He deserves it. It still felt kind of flat to me. But uh, I don't know. I just don't think it doesn't mean anything, right? What does that IC title mean at, at this month in 2019? I mean, it means that you have a title. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're a somebody. Yeah. You're in the lineage. Your name's in the book. How crazy yeah. is it? Fergal Devitt, Shinsuke Nakamura. This is a headlined Wrestle Kingdom, right? Like, this yes. is a New Japan main event. It, it feels like troll level, next level troll level stuff here from WWE, but... You know, it again, they need a hot match to start the show off. It was this, the cruiserweights. I'm sure everybody was up and going here after that, but very odd. Uh, also odd, Bray Wyatt uh, debuting up against Balor here. Now, of course, if you listen to the show, you know, I would have liked to have seen Bray debut in a, a title feud with Kofi. Would have been great. Obviously, I don't think that Brock, I mean, look, Bray Brock, actually, a lot there, but I, I think he would have lost that one. So I understand why they wouldn't have gone that way. Um, you know, the systematic computerized shutdown, the, the lights and everything, the Fiend mask, it looked good. Um, it just, it, I don't know. It was too programmed. It was too, like, you could tell it was being done for a show purpose. Yeah. It just, it felt a little, it didn't pop me as much. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't violent enough. Um, I'm not sure, but it didn't hit me like I'm, you know, and of course everybody loves, I love this character, this new iteration of Bray. I want to give it more time to see where they go with it. Of course, you know, if him and Balor are going to go at it at SummerSlam, the demon versus the fiend. Lot you can do there. I'm, I'm more than willing to give this a chance, but just yeah, it felt a little packaged to me. If you had dropped the lights, if you had had like a laugh or something like that, lights pop back up. Wyatt gets the attack in the new gear. I think it would have been better. But when you do this weird like power down sound and the lights kind of <laughs> shut off systematically, I think it's just an overproduced segment. Again, it's like them showing the arena shot while they're playing. Firefly Funhouse in the background. It takes you out of the moment, and I don't like things that are too produced, especially for a guy like Wyatt. He thrives on authenticity, kind of that grassroots feel. And I also don't like this feud, man. I mean, I thought Wyatt looked good last night, and I was glad to see him back out there, but didn't we just see this, like, literally less than a year ago? And also, wasn't this feud, maybe it was two years ago, my, my brain is, is going in my older age here, but wasn't this feud entirely just poo-pooed upon, um, where it went down with Sister Abigail and all that? Just bad shades here yeah yeah i don't know well the systematic shutdown because he spoke binary last week and so like i'm wondering if the fiend isn't like maybe he has entered the matrix or like uh is a computer <laughs> is a computer virus i don't know it reminds me of when kane used to do the lightning strikes in the live arena right and on tv would come across with this animation oh that was the best well and, and one of the things i always wonder with bray and the undertaker feud is first of all i wanted him to beat undertaker at wrestlemania could have been a totally different character uh, but I wanted him to take on more of the supernatural powers and stuff, and I'm uh, I am happy to see him taking on those elements. I want to I want I want that supernatural stuff to carry on to the next generation, and uh, I think this Bray iteration here is going to provide us with that. It, it feels creepy in a way that we haven't had since like the original run with Kane, or even his later his second run, right? But when when Kane still had that mystique, that's what Bray Wyatt feels like with this. Uh, and lastly here, coming out of Extreme Rules and Raw, R-Truth last night on Raw pinned Drake, Ma Drake Maverick in his honeymoon suite to win the WWE 24-7 championship. 
give these people the Emmy. This was <laughs> this was uh, this was something, you know, F- fun. I, I mean, but it's like, where how how much longer can you keep this going? I don't really know. I thought it was I thought it was fun. Drake's great. Truth's great. Uh, just silly. Drake just sells it so well that, you know, it's it's just fantastic. And as of this moment, right here, right now, it has one million views on the I... YouTube channel, which um, is only follow only topped by Bray Wyatt's return. So um, for, for last night's show. So that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, Drake, I love the underwear, too. Right. He's like posing with the belt. So it looks like he's naked. And he turns around. And he's got the tidy whities on. So good for him. Yeah. Great for him. Wait, you mean those are the two videos? Nothing with Brock or Seth? Uh, those what three four spot? I don't know if you're looking at it right uh, now. Or not. You know, rough, rough numbers here, but uh, the battle royale is is just under a million, and um, the Brock Lesnar uh, pops out at the beginning is about four hundred seventy four thousand. So yeah, that WWE twenty four seven title is booming on social media. Huh. And Bray is above that. Huh. Interesting. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's get back to some news here. For the past five days, the Observer reporting that Vince McMahon was not at SmackDown last week, and he ran the show via phone. Vince reviewed the script on the phone about one hour before SmackDown hit the air. Triple H ran the gorilla position. Uh, Senior Vice President Bruce Bruce Pritchard presented the show to the producers. It was said that Pritchard began the presentation with a rah-rah speech that reportedly came across as very transparent. Regarding the SmackDown creative team, Ryan Ward is still the lead writer and will remain in that position unless new executive director Eric Bischoff tries to make a change to that role. That would most likely depend on whether or not Vince allows the change, even if Bischoff wanted it. Pritchard will be the man who acclimates Bischoff to the new role, and it is believed that Pritchard is the one who pushed the hardest for Bischoff to be hired for the executive director role. Word from within WWE and the creative team is that they have been told almost nothing about Bischoff working this new role, and his name almost never comes up officially. Uh, Also on that note, Russell votes uh, saying anything WWE had planned in advance for SummerSlam was all subject to change once Bischoff and Heyman fully start their roles next week after Extreme Rules. This will allow Bischoff and Heyman to come in with a clean slate. Um, yeah, you know, I uh, I have expressed my skepticisms about how much uh, how Bischoff will work with this creative team, how he's going to get integrated. Um, I guess tonight's going to be the tale of the tape, right? Is he going to be backstage? Is he going to be... Uh, hands-on, uh, th- th- we'll know tomorrow. Uh, I don't really, I don't know. What do you make of this report? It doesn't surprise me at all that they have hired Eric Bischoff and not figured out a way to integrate him into their already established systems because, again, Vince McMahon seems so impulsive and so kind of fly-by-the-wire about things that, of course, they were like, let's hire Bischoff and Heyman. And, of course, Heyman would have a much easier time acclimating because he's already there doing work, right? So none of that's surprising. I would be surprised if we see any kind of big change in direction tonight. I know they're saying that they are kind of uh, setting things up to have a clean slate going into SummerSlam, but I really don't think you're going to see the influence. Again, they say that, but does that hold true going into the biggest show of the year? And you talk to Vince McMahon, and he wants to still have that little bit of uh, executive control over things. I don't think we're going to see Bischoff's influence from some time. And I honestly, I think last night's Raw was an indicator that Vince McMahon still has his hands on the steering wheel because Agreed. it's a step back. Agreed. I was watching that show and I was like, wait, isn't this the week Paul was supposed to take over? Yep. I will say that the, the Heymanisms I did see, right? Ricochet looked good. I thought Street Profits, they're still entertaining. Obviously, he got called up. But if you remember the first episode of East, the ECW TV show they did, uh, Paul Heyman, like briefly in the beginning, like was supposed to be actually leading the brand. And then that all fell apart after like, I think months, maybe even weeks before Vince was like all over it again. 
but they did the Hardcore Battle Royal. Do you remember the debut episode of ECW TV with the Hardcore Battle Royal? Very faintly. Very faintly. Yeah. I think everybody involved may, uh, may have too. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things. I think I've heard Paul talk about how, like, you know, they had the idea to do it. Uh, or no, it was like Vince wanted to make it a hardcore battle royal. He wanted to do a battle royal, something like that. The whole thing came across looking weird on TV. Uh, for whatever it is, I, I think Heyman's got a soft spot for battle royals, especially to, to make the next contender. I thought that I think that that spot there at the end there was was probably a Heyman idea to get Seth over to the next level. Um, and you know, last week we saw on SmackDown Kevin Owens cutting that you know very CM Punk type you know pipe bomb promo, very punkish slash Steve Austin ish. I also know that's Paul's, you know, that's kind of his fingerprints as well. Um, I'm wondering, on on the Bischoff end, several factors. First of all, um, Heyman Bischoff, Heyman's been there for a year and a half. Uh, if you got to work this wild card rule stuff in, is he is he like, why did you bring in Bischoff? I don't, I can't work with this guy or whatever. Possibly, who knows? Um, but also, you know, on the other end, you know, Booker T outspokenly talked about how you know he doesn't know how Eric is going to do in this role. We've read those reports from other people who worked with Eric and TNA and WCW being baffled by that. I, I'm wondering if Vince and, and WWE management were not prepared for the reaction many of their own creative members and agents had to the appointment of Eric in this role here uh, before making that announcement. I absolutely think it's the case. Again, the way Vince McMahon's track record shows he is not great about getting that stuff disseminated right. I, you know, I, I wonder how long this is going to last. I think they're they're announcing all this, but it seems like if Bischoff was taking over tonight and WWE sent out that press release a few weeks ago, they'd making a much bigger deal about Bischoff's influence on the on the show, and I just haven't seen it. So, Well, what I wonder is, like, because Eric's moving to Stanford, right? Like, he sold all the horses, kept his dog, brought his wife, took the pickup truck, and is now in Stanford, Connecticut. Is that the case? Am I, have I got the narrative right? I've, I've heard that from, from you and, and from a few others, but yeah. Okay, well, I think he's posted about it on social media. I think he's talked yeah. about it on his podcast. He's moving to Stanford, Connecticut, all that great stuff. Now, I, you know, I know that WWE has two writing teams, right? There's the road team, and then there's the at-home team. And I'm almost wondering if Eric is not going to be working more out of the Stanford, Connecticut offices with the, the team there. And then Paul would be on the road. That would that would put them with a little influence on both shows, and it would give them some distance. And I, I wonder if that's not going to be closer to the the arrangement we get when everything starts to be put into place. Could could be could be. And I also think too that that protects you know Triple H's kind of throne of power in WWE as well, and, and lets guys like Ryan Ward still do their thing. Yes. So yeah. That'd be a great setup. Yeah, so we'll see. Ever-changing pieces here. Uh, speaking of ever-changing pieces here, The Observer reporting The Undertaker versus Drew McIntyre not planned for SummerSlam, even though it's being advertised by the venue. It's been very rumored. Um, so, yeah, that's not. I guess that's not where we're going. Isn't that what they were setting up with Sunday night's pay-per-view, though? Uh, is that what you think they were? It, it has felt like for a while we're heading towards McIntyre and Taker, and, and I think Vince McMahon just salivates at the idea of that. Two big guys, you know? I don't know, man. I mean, like, McIntyre, he didn't feel like somebody was going to take on The Undertaker on Monday Night Raw last night. It felt like they were spinning him off into another direction. It, it did seem like that, but also there was a lot of kind of moving parts on last night's show, so you could always follow back up with that next week. Um, what do you do with Taker at SummerSlam, then? You know what? I have this, uh, I have this idea. Now, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little edgy. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, under uh, Roman Reigns is doing nothing right now, right? Um, I wonder how a Roman Reigns Undertaker pairing would do, and I know that the way Dean Ambrose uh, was forced to uh, bring Roman's cancer into storylines, it was in very poor taste. But I do think there is something to the idea that Roman Reigns became obsessed with beating death while nobody knew he was battling leukemia. 
which is why there were so many confrontations with The Undertaker. And I wonder if there's not a way to play off of that in a way uh, where Roman could get a big win here and get back on track with Undertaker. Um, I mean, I think that's way too deep for most of what WWE is writing these days. I think the Undertaker-Roman Reigns pairing could make some sense, and maybe they go on and challenge uh, you know, the revival for the tag team championships at some point. But I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they're putting reins against Taker at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Could go anywhere. Strange. Just throwing something out there. I was thinking about that while I was drinking a beer, doing some grocery shopping yesterday before raw, which by You're the writing way, in your little notebooks, fantasy booking. I don't have, a, I don't have a notebook, buddy. It's all up top. It all just stays in the brain holes <laughs> is where it goes. And then on a house show, undertaker can become the intercontinental. <laughs> exactly. 100. He beats Bob Backlund. Um, all right. <laughs> WWE has announced a Raw reunion show for next week. Out of nowhere, slam, bang, boom. Here we go. We're bringing everybody back. The, the circus is coming to town. Jim Ross, now, he has recently said that he knew about this show. He was offered to do it. Uh, I believe this was at his live uh, event over the weekend here for Fight for the Fallen in Jacksonville. He said he turned down the offer due to his allegiance to WWE and his current commitments to them. The Observer reporting this Raw reunion was another idea from the USA Network, who also suggested the 24-7 championship. Uh, whoever this mysterious USA Network person is, they might have their finger on the pulse of, of what WWE fans <laughs> kind of want. I'm, I mean, I was skeptical at first, but these notes from USA, I think the fans are going to like this, just like they like the 24-7 championship. It's actually Paul Heyman. It's, it's Paul. <laughs> Paul was hired by uh, NBC Universal. I get it. I mean, it's he just has some letterhead lying around from USA Network. He just signs it. Yeah. No, so, I mean, you know, it's out of nowhere. It doesn't seem to be for any specific kind of reason. They're just doing it to do it. I think the fans always like this stuff. I think it will definitely bring more people to the table. Um, I'm interested to see how they sh sort the stories they have going right now into SummerSlam in with these legends. Because, you know, when you bring these guys in, Mick Foley, you know, Christian, Edge, Steve Austin, you know, these DX, you know, giving their little take on, on what's going on, helping to put over these stories and stuff. It's always been very effective. So I, I and Booker T works well with the New Day. Who knows? Maybe we could see him doing something with them. Uh, I, I think this could I think this will be a lot of fun. I, I'm on the hook for it. It's always fun to see these guys come back. They're advertising some really big names. Uh, obviously, Steve Austin being there is a huge get. Should drive up a spike in ratings. But we're, we're also only three and a half weeks from SummerSlam. And obviously, I think that's why last night they were working so hard to set up these SummerSlam matches because next week's show will probably deviate from that format quite a bit. Eric Bischoff will be there, too. So <laughs> yes. talk about him and his influence. Maybe next week's the week we have Bischoff kind of back in control of things. Uh, well, here's the full list of legends announced so far for the show. Booker T, Christian, Devon Dudley, DX, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. Bischoff, Hogan, Hurricane Helms, Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Hart, Kelly Kelly. Uh, Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle, Mark Henry, Mick Foley, Ric Flair, Rikishi, Road Dog, Ron Simmons, Santino Morella, Scott Hall, Sean Waltman, Sergeant Slaughter, Shawn Michaels, Sid Vicious, Steve oh. Austin, Ted DiBiase Sr., The Boogeyman, and The Godfather. Yes, timeout. Uh, Loki Sid Vicious returned to WWE TV. That's the name that pops out to me the most. He was on the, um, what was it, the Raw 90s thing they did a few years ago, back in 2014 or whatever it was. Was he? Yes, oh, man, because I was like, man, he's looking he's looking fine. For <laughs> former WCW world champion. Suspicious, uh, I hope that he makes a softball reference or a scene playing or our 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 truth loses the title to Drake, Drake Maverick in an impromptu softball game put together by Sid Vicious <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> 
Uh, you're, you're overlooking the star here. The, the boogeyman is coming back, Nick. The boogeyman. The boogeyman. Look, I'm, I'm happy for Boogie. You know, I'm happy for Godfather. Look, I mean, it's just like I have I've seen most, if not all of these. Kelly Kelly, she's kind of out of left field as well. Um, but yeah, man, Sid Vicious. I saw that. I was like, oh, cool. Sid. I think you you, you have Santino in that 24-7 title spot. What's going to happen? Oh, do you think? Oh, you know what? I wonder how many of these legends get strapped at that title that night. Yeah. How over under? How many of these guys hold the title by the end of the night? Five. <laughs> I was thinking five. Three, yeah. three to five. Um, TMZ reporting WWE superstar Jeff Hardy was arrested in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for public intoxication over the weekend. Uh, he was booked early Saturday morning uh, for public intoxication and impairment. No word yet on what led to the arrest, but Myrtle Beach is a notorious arrest trap for people visiting out of town and partying too much. Hardy was released earlier today on bond that was less than two hundred dollars. WWE comments: Jeff Hardy is responsible for his own personal actions. Um, yeah, um, you know this isn't <laughs> like he was buying crack or anything. He just got drunk in public and probably got caught pissing in an alleyway or something. Is my guess. Yeah. Uh, as a pharaoh Carol, as a fellow Carolinian here, the Myrtle Beach is really notorious for that. Absolutely, and but but again, also it's always a story with Jeff Hardy. Why is Jeff Hardy always the guy getting busted for for booze and things like that? I mean, you would think just. It seems pretty innocuous, but you add up all these innocuous events from recent years. It just bothers me a little bit. I love the statement here. Jeff Hardy is responsible for his own personal <laughs> actions. Uh, uh, you know, I've been arrested before. Did you know that? I did not know that. I got arrested in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This story reminded me of that, actually, because I was there in college, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Madison, Wisconsin. They do a big Halloween bash each year, and it's also notorious uh, for uh, just rounding up college kids. And I won't tell the whole, whole story here, but, uh, you know, I was walking with a 12-pack of Corona to a party, sober, sober, had not drank. It was in the middle of the early before sunset, and the handle on my 12-pack broke. And when we went to go kick it over by uh, or into a trash can, the police uh, asked me to come over and talk to them. And, of course, I walked over. I was like, how can I help you? And they arrested me for, <laughs> they arrested me for weapons and intent to start a riot. Michael, <laughs> because I had lost my Coronas and the glass shards. So I have, I was zip tied. I was thrown into a paddy wagon. I was taken down to a, a, a parking garage where they had about 500 college kids zip tied to chains in a parking garage, got processed, handcuffed, put in a holding cell. And I was released on like $250 bail. And it's on, it's not on my record. They literally just put me through the ringer to grab two, 250 and, and send me on my way. And if I had not had the 250, I would have gone to state state jail. They were going to take me out the next morning. Isn't that terrifying? Wow. Right? Meanwhile, people are running wild in Daytona 24-7 with <laughs> yeah. guns and stuff. There you go. My prison story. My jail. Shouldn't say prison. I haven't done hard time. Soft time. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting the Street Profits backstage segments are short or are shot live to keep them vibrant. I think that's really cool. You know, I, I'm not – I'm still not really – totally in on them being used as like, you know, the rude mechanicals for all you Shakespeare nerds out there kind of commenting on the other stories. Um, but they're really engaging. They're funny guys. Whenever they finally do get into the ring, I think the fans are going to be really into them. And I do think shooting their segments live, it, it does give them a feel of authenticity. I like it too. I, I, I do like them. And I think the way they're being used is, is very effective and plays their strengths a lot. So uh, yeah, it's fun segments. Uh, PWInsider.com also reporting that Luke Harper is going to be back on the road this week. Good. I don't know what that means for him, but I miss Luke Harper. And I guess if Rowan's not going to be with Daniel Bryan, maybe a return to that. Who cares? Did not get his release, I guess. <laughs> get it. 
Uh, the Observer reporting Mickey James is going to be undergoing surgery later today, uh, Tuesday, July 16th, at the Andrews Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Center in Birmingham, Alabama. Mickey will be going under the knife to repair her right ACL. She's expected to be out seven to nine months, which means she could be back in time for WrestleMania 36. And an impressive stat, this is Mickey's first major surgery in her 20-year career. So, uh, you know, sad to hear she's down, happy to hear she'll be back by Mania, and good for her for staying wow. healthy for 20-plus years. It's very, very uh, – Jericho's kind of like that. I don't know that Jericho's ever had a major injury in his pro wrestling career. Yeah, I was going to say, Jericho's like that. The Miz, I know, is pretty notorious uh, for being, you know, safe from injuries. I don't know if you've never had one, but, yeah, that's awesome. I, it's either – it's one of the Usos. Jimmy or Jay um, Uso has, like, never been injured either. And I think hold, may hold the record for, like, most consistent WWE shows in, like, history or something like that. We're like really? modern history. Yeah, one of the I don't know which one. It's either Jimmy or Jay. I feel like a, a dick that I don't know. But uh, yeah, one of them has some crazy stat. Go look it up. It's interesting. Oh. Uh, the Observer reporting Randy Orton currently dealing with a bad neck. Sounds like the injury is not going to cause Orton to miss any ring time. And man, he looked great in that Battle Royal last night. I almost thought he was going to win. He, he could have been a good opponent there. And, and Orton, again, always so great in the ring. And so, so, you know, his style is just always, I think, grossly underrated for what he's what he's accomplished. PWInsider.com also reporting that Tamina Snuka may have suffered a concussion this past Friday at a WWE live event. The injury apparently came when Snuka and Sarah Logan were wrestling Dana Brooke and Naomi. Snuka took an errant knee to the head from Naomi and was pinned by Naomi after a split leg moonsault. Snuka stayed down in the ring for an extended period of time, was helped to the back. WWE has not confirmed a concussion to Tamina. This sounds like it could all very well be a work. I, I, nothing here It seems definitive I, there's no ref throwing the x or anything like that was listed in the report either so just noting it because it did a lot of traffic on the site so there you go mm. fair game with Kristen Leahy provided me the most wtf moment of the past five days uh bailey surprised the host Kristen, here by telling her she rents her own cars and drives herself to shows Kristen was flabbergasted by this asking why are you doing that after you've just thrown your body around like that seems dangerous to be driving yourself on the road after taking all those bumps uh, she asked if the WWE wrestlers had a CBA, a central bargaining agreement, uh, which we actually talked about last week here with Austin Lane on the show, the NFL uh, CBA that they put up with their union each year is about to come up. Uh, and the host offered to negotiate a CBA on behalf of the wrestlers of the WWE. <laughs> Did you catch this segment, Michael? Yes, it was fantastic because of how out of left field it was. And, and there's another bullet point in here, too, that I love, which is uh, she compared um, the WWE to other major television shows and her shock and awe about Bailey having to drive herself and pay for her own stuff. And she's like, this isn't like anything other like TV shows that get multi-million dollar contracts. Why is WWE different than all the other TV shows out there? So fair questions. I love Bailey's like, uh, well, we have other ways of dealing with that stuff. <laughs> I no other options. Please stop talking. I'm going to lose my job. I have no CBA. Uh, Does, I mean, is this just her? I mean, uh, is this you know these questions being asked? Are they just a journalist doing her job? Do you think Fox is prodding some of this? What's the deal here? I think this woman was just genuinely caught off guard and was like, wait, I have to talk to you like a human being here for a moment. So hmm. uh, Oswego County today reporting that Mark Capani, a.k.a. Muhammad Hassan, has been named the principal of Fulton Junior High School. Congratulations to Mark. <laughs> Good. Yeah, those kids are going to never want to go to the principal's office or always want to go to the principal's office. <laughs> yeah, Take your pick. Uh, all right. And lastly here, we'll wrap up the news by talking about some stuff coming out of AEW's Fight for the Fallen. It was very hot in Jacksonville in that amphitheater. I was the only press 
that wore slacks and a button down because I wanted to look nice. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I had a I looked like a skunk with that uh with that stripe going down my back. Luckily, I put on deodorant just before I left the hotel. Thank God. Uh, four plus hours long. It was a long show. Um, did you did you happen to watch the show from home? Michael? I did. Well, I watched it late. I had a thing Saturday night. So luckily, Bleacher Report app is awesome, and you can catch up on shows later, just like the WWE Network. So I watched it after the fact. And, you know, Nick, I, I thought it was a long show. I thought there was a lot of good things about it. But my favorite thing about this show was the setup. I loved that amphitheater, oh, and cool. I loved it even more when Tony Khan – um, compared it and said he was inspired by the South Park episode of pro wrestling where they treat it like Shakespeare. I thought it was fantastic. Yes, I, I was. Look, if it had been 10 degrees cooler, I would have loved this show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I thought the action was great. I thought the fans were there right until about Kenny Seema. That last match, as much as everybody uh, wanted to be behind it and really into it, I think they were just fried, you know, and it was like, in that Young Bucks Rhodes tag match, it was either it was so quiet you could hear a pin drop or it was you know loud as a firecracker, and it was very little middle ground there. So just a little long. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> long shows are tough for fans. I mean, they really are, and it, it's tough as a fan to put all your energy into all of the matches all night long, especially in a high energy, high energy card like what Fight for the Fallen was. Uh, also, some notes coming out of the show. Britt Baker suffered a concussion during her women's tag match. She noted that on social media and how uh, referee Aubrey uh, stayed with her uh, and, and kept with her. So we'll keep an eye on, on Britt Baker and her recovery here. Luckily, a lot of time here between now and All Out. Uh, Inspire Pro Wrestling revealing the, same, the following about MJF. Breaking news as the adage goes, card subject to change. At approximately 4.07 this morning, Inspire Pro was delivered the unfortunate news. The pure prestige champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman sustained a severe elbow injury at last night's Fight for the Fallen event. MJF is scheduled to appear the next week at Triple Mania, uh, tagging with Cody Rhodes. The decision was made to pull him from the event to prevent any further injury. Therefore, MJF will not defend his title against Ricky Starks. MJF will soon become exclusive to AEW. The opportunity to reschedule the match is not possible. Therefore, MJF and Inspire have come to a mutual agreement to vacate this title. It's starting to shake down. Start. You got to start wrapping it up. M- MJF is, is holding the title right now in Impact, or not Impact, uh, in MLW. Yeah, and, and and I will tell you what, that's a smart move because again, it puts more eyes on their product, and they get to make announcements like this, and more people are talking about the Pure Prestige Championship than they have been in, in a long time. So I think it's an interesting way. But yeah, AEW baby taking it. Talk about people saying NXT bought up the Indies and took over the Indies, and those same people supporting AEW. AEW is doing the exact same thing. Uh, Lucha Brothers brought a ladder out, uh, beat up uh, their opponents uh, at, at, at a fight for the Fallen, challenged the Young Bucks to a ladder match at All Out. Um, ladder match for what? Good question. Mm. Good question. For what? I guess we'll find out. Tony Khan revealed in for the— For momentum. Uh, if this is WWE, it would be they were fighting for momentum. Yes. <laughs> Tony Khan has revealed—so uh, coming out of the scrums, a couple notes. Uh, Tony Khan revealed uh, that the uh, venues for their upcoming AEW TV tapings, as well as the night they are going to air, will be announced before All Out. Now, he also slyly referenced that they're going to be at the TV Critics Awards, I believe, coming up here in L.A., and I wonder if they don't make that announcement that night or around then. Uh, to tie into the to the TV awards thing they're going to be a part of. Yeah, I think that'd be a smart way to do it because they have been so hands-on with TNT as a network partner. If you follow TNT, you see them always posting about the shows and all that kind of stuff. So th- I think it's better for them to lean into this as a business model where we are a, associated with a premier TV network rather than just we happen to be on TV. So that, yeah. that would be a, a cool way to work that in. So exciting. 
Uh, get ready, everybody. We're going to do that news here very soon. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, on his way out of the scrums, was asked by uh, nine-year-old AJ, the uh, kid reporter that's always in the scrums, uh, if he's going to be in Chicago. And he said, I won't be there. I can't be at All Out. I was already booked for Dragon Con or something like that. So Dustin Rhodes won't be at All Out. And good get there from nine-year-old AJ, kid reporter on the beat in the scrums. That kid's awesome. That kid's awesome. I don't usually like stooge off interviews, and I'm probably not going to air it this week because it's uh, it's it's packed. But uh, I have set up an interview with AJ, and it will air next week on the show. Mm, I'm going inter- to so cool. I'm going to interview a nine year old about pro wrestling, and I said that early, and I never do that with my interviews, but I, I'm pretty confident this one's going to be in the can here by next week. And so, if you have questions that you would like to ask, you would like to have me ask a nine year old uh, at Wink Rebel on Twitter, feel free to to ping me. Let me know what you're interested in, a child's perspective of pro wrestling. Uh, and lastly, you're coming out of the scrums. Chris Jericho said his promo was completely unscripted or approved. Didn't even know he was going to say walk into the ring. I love Chris Jericho, but uh, maybe bullet points, on, even on your own. <laughs> like, you know, it just felt a little rambly there to me uh, at, yeah. at the show. You know, this is, again, where the, the thing where I think Chris Jericho, obviously one of the greatest of all times, he can get away with doing stuff like this. And I, I know he says, you know, I, I, I'm I'm unhinged. I do whatever I want to as part of his character as well. But also there are moments where I, I agree with what AEW is doing. The writers help work out some of the details. Not that you need as many as WWE has, but some level of a writing team helps kind of soften those edges. My guest at this time is a current Impact Wrestling star. He also recently squared off against John Moxley at FSW's Natural Born Killers. It is now available for replay on Fight.tv. It is Killer Cross. Cross, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. My pleasure. And now, uh, you did have this big moment recently where you squared off with John Moxley. He answered your open challenge. Uh, how did this all come together? Well, uh, there's this story going around that John Moxley was in prison. And uh, he broke out of prison and was loose on the streets and the police were after him and it was a big deal on the news. Yeah. So uh, I decided to go looking around for the gentleman in my city of Las Vegas, which also happens to be his city as well. And uh, eventually we met paths on July 5th in Las Vegas at the Natural Born Killer show. And that was kind of a wrap. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't sound like a rap. I mean, Moxley definitely let it linger out there that it sounds like you two could uh, bump knuckles here again down the road. Do you, do you foresee that happening? Oh, it's definitely definitely not a rap in the last time. I would say it's a rap on how we uh, how we kind of cross paths. But, yeah, it's definitely long from over. Um, people got a taste of what it's going to be like when him and I go mono remodel. And uh, we are planning to revisit this. Okay. In the immediate future, so. Okay. With that, uh, do you think that rematch would take place at uh, FS? Or not rematch? Do you think that uh, confrontation would take place at FSW? It could take place anywhere in the United States or Japan, hmm. or Canada, or Mexico, the UK. Okay. Now, uh, now before this went down, did you? Now you say you went looking for Moxley. He was in your backyard of Vegas. Did you have much of a relationship with John Moxley previously to this? Uh, nothing more than a, Hey, how are you? Um, there was just a completely flat world. Um, all, all just aside, uh, the, the true story of it all really is, um, you know, I had a vision about five years ago to create the best presentation possible for killer cross, you know, on the independence, the main thing that's always missing is, I don't know, I would say 
we budget and sort of that polished commercialized finished product uh, that you know we have on television and i think that the casual viewer in the moment they see independent wrestling they go ah what is this you know they they're they're used to a higher budget of quality so one of the hurdles i was trying to get over from the very beginning of my career was improving my presentation and respectfully and i say this non-maliciously um, there was no way I was really going to get that from the independence. So I was kind of self-taught with uh, graphics and all the computer programs I use and film and so forth and learning how to score things and timing and sound. I, I taught myself all of that type of stuff. And I started to just kind of market myself and how I thought Killer Cross needed to be presented to someone watching. That would be kind of digestible to like a commercialized viewing audience. And I uh, basically took that... Um, to a YouTube channel, which became, you know, Killer Cross. So when I saw Moxley put out that promo of him running through the wall and running all over the streets and the cops chasing him, I was like, yes. I was like, this is what it needs to be, you know? We're, we're past the point of trying to fool people. You know, it's 2019. They know what they're watching. This is an educated audience. And the more that the industry tries to pretend that the audience is stupid or condescend their intelligence, the more the audience is going to drift away and become an audience that just kind of watches to over-ridicule. Like the conditioning goes back and forth. So I was just like, I can't believe no one has tried to, you know, put a promo out looking for him or something. Like I just watched that and, you know, a lot of fans have reached out to me and they're like, hey, he's talking about hourglasses and he's talking about time's up. Do you have anything to do with this? You know, I got it a lot, actually. Huh. I wasn't mad. I was, I was actually flattered. I was like, that's pretty cool that people would even, you know, I would be even the same mentioning sentence as a guy who's basically world known. You yeah. know what I mean? He's was the face of that company for a very long time. So I just thought to myself, you know what I should do since nobody's doing this, which I also found kind of insane. I was like, I'm going to film something and it's going to be very tongue in cheek and I'm going to put it out there and see if people would be interested in seeing this match. Cause it seemed like, you know, just from watching his stuff that they were. And I was also kind of surprised, you know, just from a professional standpoint that no one was doing that either. Like no one was trying to follow what he did. Like, yeah. do you not want to work with this guy? Like it would be, you know, amazing to be able to work with him. So I put that video out there. He saw it and uh, he just reached out to me privately. And he's like, don't tell anybody let's just do this. And I was like, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of how it happened. That's all, you know, and I guess it, it, there's always a little bit of a worry, I guess, when you, when you go out and you do something like that, you know, I've always heard that grandstanding, right? You don't want to grandstand a challenge unless the other guy's into it, because you know, what, what happens if he doesn't, you know, uh, accept the challenge, right? You kind of look like you've got a little, you know, poo mud on your face. Was that at all a worry for you when you were putting that together? You know, like, it's a very valid point what you said. Um, I've just learned to stop worrying. I think that, uh, you know, because there's so much, quote unquote, make believing in our business, I find that some guys make believe a little too much. And I think that they try to over project how important they actually are. Uh, and when you do that, you actually close a lot of doors on yourself. You need to be willing to fail like at anything in life, when you're trying to do something amazing, there is always the possibility of failure. And if you don't even try, I mean, you, you got nothing. And I believe in myself. And there's a lot of people that are very close to me that believe in me. And I wanted to roll the dice on something, pun intended, since it is Las Vegas. But sure. I wanted to roll the dice on something and be like, you know what? Like, I really do believe that I could hang with him. I believe that him and I could captivate an audience. Um, obviously him by himself, he can draw a house. Um, I would like to work to that level where I would be able to do the same as well. 
Um, and when I say draw a house, I'm, I'm talking about drawing an arena. I really do believe I'm going to get there one day. I really, truly do believe that. My work ethic is on point. I'm a sponge. I'm always trying to learn. I'm open to criticism from uh, you know people ahead of me. Uh, I'm very humble. I'm a very grounded person. But um, you know, also, you know, I try to exercise a go-getter mentality. So I wasn't worried or scared. And if I failed, then you know, it just depends on how you want to observe that. Was that a lesson or was that a failure? Was it both? I mean, I was ready and willing to accept that. Now, you finally got to meet the man and work with him. What was it like working with Moxley? Also, did you guys have a chance backstage at all to kind of pick his brain about where you're at in your career and, you know, things that maybe have worked for him that could that could work for you and vice versa? Um, we we talked a little bit before and after. Uh, as far as working with him, it was absolutely awesome. We, we didn't have to discuss much. Um, we both kind of knew what we thought it needed to be that night. We went out there and did it. It was the first time we ever worked, and... It was uh, it was a breeze. It was exactly what it needed to be. It was aggressive where it needed to be. It was technical where it needed to be. And the showmanship points were exactly where they needed to be. And I felt like we hit a home run. Yeah. And I think that there's a natural chemistry there that sometimes you find with people that you're working with. Um, and it was definitely there with them. And I, I thought that was awesome. It was just a bonus on top of everything. Yeah. And uh, I, In terms of what... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, in terms of, um, you know, uh, whatever advice that he had for me, I... He definitely told me that in confidence, and it was super flattering, and I'll, I'll just keep that to myself. I don't think there's any point in putting it out there, but um, it was nice to be able to kind of receive some wisdom, I suppose, from sitting under the tree of woe, sure. um, and uh, it was good. The whole experience from A to Z was awesome, and I, I think that people, it was very surreal for the people that were there. I can tell you that much. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he uh, John Moxley is not a he's he's not a let's say unintimidating man, right? I mean, his style is a very brutal style. He uh, had that quasi death match with Janela at a fight, Fighter Fest a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. did tease another chapter between you two. I mean, are you open to going to those kinds of levels with that, or do you think that it would be necessary for you and, and Mox? One hundred percent. There's nowhere I'm going to go with this, and I, I think that he feels the same as well. And we got a book that is open right now, and that was just barely chapter one. So I'm very pumped for the future. Yeah, this I, is long from over. Yeah, I, I got a comp. While we're talking about your hardcore, you know, dalliances here, you know, uh, you had quite a, a first blood match with Eddie Edwards at Slam Reversary. Uh, what was it like uh, working with Eddie and, and and putting that match together? I personally think Eddie Edwards is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world, and um, I think that he's immensely overrated or underrated. My apologies. I think he's immensely underrated. Um, I think that people forget because he's done so much uh, what he's what he's done in his career. This is a guy who you know trained in Japan, worked in Japan, worked all over the entire world, and I think that because he's so interesting in this hardcore role, and because he's been in it for quite some time, that people forget what he's actually accomplished. And um, prior to that. And I think that uh, he's just a guy who can kind of work in any gear, yeah. which is really cool, I think. I think that's that's something that you can just kind of condition a performer to do overnight. You know what I mean? Uh, he can do it all. So I would love to see him uh, on a bigger stage one day. And I say that respectfully, just because I think that he can, I think that he's definitely capable of, you know, captivating, a, you know, a, a larger audience, you know? 
for sure. Uh, well, uh, to get back here to my question real fast about uh, Mox, a couple more things before we, we talk about you and Impact. Uh, you know, Mox obviously did that uh, big shoot promo there with Chris Jericho on his podcast. Uh, well, first of all, just like, what were your thoughts like listening to that as a fellow wrestler? What goes through your head when you hear that in the in the current kind of backstage state of creative in WWE? Well, you know, if you're in the industry, you you hear a lot of that, right? So you have to think two things, you know, well, three things. The first thing is you're not there, right? Right. So you only know what you hear. Uh, you know, the second thing, the maybe that is one person's experience and not everyone's experience. And then the third thing might be maybe that's everybody's experience. You know, I, yeah, I'm not uh, trying to dodge the question, but I mean, it's like, you know, you hear that and you, <laughs> you hope that you hope that since then things improve, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think the guy's lying. I certainly don't think he's lying, sure. you know, and we've heard similar things like that, you know, for, I don't know, maybe the last 25 years. Yeah. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, what can I say? You know what I mean? I don't work there. I, I don't know, but it's, I certainly believe him. I certainly believe him. Um, creativity is a really, really, really important thing for all of us to be able to have somewhat of a strong leash on, you know, it's like, there's a lot of abuse that we subject ourselves to right. in sports entertainment and professional wrestling. So the payoff is the ability to maestro an audience with a story that we actually care about. Now, are we capable of going out there and hitting home runs on things that, you know, privately, personally, we don't really care about narrative wise? Of course we are. But I mean, it's like any job. If you're going in and you're punching the clock for long enough, it becomes monotonous, especially if, it, you know, if you physically don't feel good. It can be really draining and it could really pull the life out of you. It's not just that job specifically. It's like any job. If you're not feeling passionate about what you're doing for an extended period of time, uh, that can be very taxing. So that's what I kind of took out of it. Okay, and and you know when you hear those frustrations from Moxley, there obviously you know I've heard you know you're with Impact right now. I would, I would imagine, and you know you've I've heard the WWE has had interest in you in the past. I mean, does this make you less likely to want to go to that company when you hear reports about that like that? Uh, no, it doesn't because, like I said, I mean I I have to walk my own path, you know, and it goes back to what we were talking about with being willing to fail to take on opportunities in life and roll the dice to see if you can succeed. I 100% believe, and I, I'm not saying this from an egocentric place. I'm just saying, I 100% believe that any company I ever work in, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to excel. And I know that I'm going to excel because a lot of this is still in my hands. There are things that are out of, you know, they're completely out of your hands in any occupation. But I think that any door that I walk through, I'm going to have enough within my hands where I'm going to be able to get what I personally need out of it, which is a sense of fulfillment. And, um, I still, uh, you know, I would still, you know, contemplate working there. Absolutely. I would contemplate working for any company, to be quite frank with you, because I think that it's going to engage me differently and force me to work through different challenges. And, you know, just, I don't know, a silly, uh, you know, a silly analogy or metaphor, if you will, would be like going in the pool. You know, it's like the shallow end's pretty easy to navigate. You know, eventually you start seeing everyone in the pool going into the deep end and, you know, of course you could drown. You know, if you don't figure out how to get from one end to the other and you go into the, the, you know, the deep end, you could be at the bottom of the pool. But it's a risk you have to take, right? And if uh, if you never take that risk, you'll never know whether you can, you know, swim the deep end, I guess. Yeah, well, you are certainly a risk taker. Uh, you know, of course, you uh, made a lot of waves uh, on a Petey Williams Wrestling Perspective podcast, uh, airing a couple of, uh, I guess, grievances you had at the, at the time. Uh, what is your status with Impact right now? Has anything been addressed since you've uh, made those comments publicly? 
Yeah, we've talked about some things back and forth about what I said. Um, I was very comfortable with going out there and talking about that specifically because PD was there. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's a company guy. Um, there was a lot of convoluted stories that came out about my circumstance and my stance um, with the company. So initially I wanted to just ignore all of it. And then I thought to myself, like, I should probably do some damage control on it um, because I think what was, what came out initially was far worse than what the actual truth was. And depending on how you want to look at it, um, you know, it's, it's not exactly a desirable circumstance, but I never, you know, I don't have anything disparaging to say about the company. And I made that really clear. It's just, you know, the bottom line is like, you know, I'm a human being killer cross might not be a human being, but I am, you know, the guy behind the glasses and the coat is and uh, personal circumstances change in life. That's just part of life. So um, I felt that uh, I was contributing uh, much more, a greater degree than how I was being compensated. And, um, you know, I tried to find a common ground with that, with them, and we weren't able to find one. So I'm a professional through and through. And, um, you know, the experience uh, at Impact has been tremendous. It's been a lot of fun. It's been awesome. But uh, like any sort of job, if you're not able to sustain yourself, then, you know, you need to need to look into other options, you know. So that's really all that was. And it was just kind of odd. A lot of people took so many different things out of it that I, I never even said. I don't know if they're just trying to combine things they read from elsewhere and, you know, what I said. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm very grateful to be working with the company and working with everyone on the roster. Um, I love everybody at Impact, and it's uh, a very tight environment. And we go out there, and no one's uh, no one's going out there to mail it in. We're giving 100% every single match, and I think people can see that. So mm-hmm. my status with them, uh, hard to say. Okay. <laughs> hard to say. But, you know, as you can see, I'm going out there, and I'm giving everybody my best. Okay. Yeah. And look, Slammiversary was one of the better pay-per-views I've seen all year. I mean, you guys are all out there, guys and women all going out there, obviously, and and busting your butts to to put on, you know, a good product. I mean, with that said, just to kind of put a button, I guess, on this part of the conversation, were you able to get a a better deal? Are you continuing to work on the, on the deal you originally agreed to? Well, I probably shouldn't say because I could fall into something where they could, you know, hypothetically use that against me, I suppose. Sure. So I probably, I probably can't comment on that. And I apologize about that. But, no, it's fine. I can't. Just yeah. trying to ask all the questions I get out of the comment section on our wrestling website. I mean, you can imagine. There's a lot of speculation out there around you. So, um, Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Scarlett's uh, no longer with the company. That is out there. Why do you think that she was able to, to get released from her, her contract when, when you were not? <laughs> Great question. Um, <laughs> well, um, I suppose that will be a story that she will tell one day when the time is right. Um, but we are very happy about that. We are really, really happy about that. And the future is looking um, super interesting for her okay. and uh, that there, there'll be some uh, breaking news about that in the immediate future. You know, I, I actually asked Brandy Rhodes about Scarlett at the scrums for fight for the fallen uh, over the weekend. Did you happen to, to catch the response you had for that? Uh, yes, we both did, and we really appreciated that. That was super cool. Um, her phone blew up with all kinds of stuff, actually, uh, shortly after that hit, uh, I think it was uh, social media news feeds. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of Brandy uh, getting all – she got a little tight lip. She, she, uh, I believe the first thing she did was she shot me a stare and said, what are you, Scarlett's manager, to which kind of made me jump a little bit. It was the most intimidated I've ever been by Brandy Rhodes, to be quite frank. It's a weird response. 
Right? Uh, yeah. I actually didn't know that. That oh. happened? Yeah, that really happened. Go back and watch the video there if you want to watch. I don't know what clip of it are you caught or not, but I included it on the, the Wrestling Inc. portion of it that we released on social media. Oh, wow. I don't know. Um I don't know. That's, that's, that's not a, I don't even know what to say to that. That's, you know, the question you asked is not the first time anyone's ever asked that question in the last 12 months. So, I mean, I think people are just interested to see where free agents are going to be going. Uh, you know, people, uh, I know fans have certainly expressed for the last maybe year and a half that they really want to see her in AEW yeah. amongst a lot of other people. It's not like she's the only person, but she obviously is a person that people are interested in seeing elsewhere um, on a bigger stage. And yeah, and that's just that's unusual. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> it, was a little, it was a little weird, man. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but uh, you know, with that said, what do you what do you think of the AEW product that they've put out there so far? What are your opinions about it? I think it's awesome. I was actually um, Scarlett and I were actually at the event in Las Vegas, and we saw that live. That's right. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, we were there, and uh, I got to tell you, man, it's. It's pretty awesome. I mean, we, we barely ever watch shows because we're in them or we're just on the road or resting between. And I don't think I've been to a show in a really long time where people have been like weeping in the audience. You know, that's something really special when that happens. You, like, think about this for a moment. So people walk into a show and they have these preconceived notions of what's real and what's not real. You know, kind of like a magic show, like a David Copperfield show. They go in with their reservations and, you know, everyone listens to shoot interviews now and everyone reads the dirt sheets now. So people think that they really have a good grasp on what they're watching. Some of them do, some of them don't. But you have Dustin and Cody working in the ring. And between the physical confrontation in the ring and then, you know, the verbiage afterwards, people are literally moved to tears. And they think that they, you know, they think that, oh, well, you know, the whole thing's a work or whatever, or it's not real. But here they are, they're sitting in the audience crying, weeping. You can't manufacture that moment. you got to have something really powerful there. You know what I mean? Um, It was really cool to be in an arena around that sort of energy that moved people like that. It was really, really awesome. Aside from that, the entire rest of the card was just awesome. It was really cool. I have a ton of friends in AEW and I literally just went out there with her just to support them. I was so happy for them. So many of those guys needed that break and I was just so happy to see them get it and to be there live. uh, Just wanted to be there to support. And I think it was awesome and I'm very excited for their future. I think their future is very bright. I agree. Uh, You know, uh, real quick, I know we're bumping right up at the 20 minute mark here. Do you mind if I ask you uh, one or two more questions across? Is that all right? Sure. Okay, cool. I, I Well, I just want to ask you, too. I was also at Bloodsport WrestleMania re- weekend. I got to see you compete against Davey Boy Smith Jr. At, at that show. What was that like, getting to compete against Davey in that kind of an environment? Oh, it was such a pleasure, man. Because, you know, like, I grew up watching uh, UWFI, and it's like a Japanese pancreas hybrid pro wrestling uh, type deal. Yeah. And I actually used to watch them on, on the Fight Network. It was part of, like, a cable package I had. And... I always thought, like, you know, I would love to do something like this. I, I looked for months to see if that type of thing was still around, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and I just kind of gave up on it. So years and years and years later, I got involved with pro wrestling, and, uh, you know, I, I, I told people from the beginning, I was like, we should be doing shows like this, because I know a ton of guys 
that could probably do this. Um, they're not pro wrestlers, but you know, maybe I train them to be pro wrestlers and they'd be involved with this. And, you know, as I, as I learn more about the culture of pro wrestling and the climate, I realized that, uh, pancreas hybrid or blood sport, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is a subculture, right? Yeah. This is a subculture that, uh, is, you know, it's like a very, uh, small graphic of a small audience, but small audiences can grow to big audiences. And whether that happens or not with this is irrelevant, just as long as people who want to see it can watch it and enjoy it, I'm happy with that. So to be able to get in there with Harry, who has a shoot background, it was just so easy to work with him. You know, it was so easy to work with him. We knew exactly what the stories that I needed to be, which is basically a striker versus a grappler. And, um, and we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. And I was just very, uh, very happy to hear um, how much people enjoyed it. Because obviously that was the intention, right? The people got their money's worth and enjoyed it. And, People were super, uh, they were just, they were just very happy about it. And I was glad to hear the feed. Man, Davey's stiff. How was that? Just handling that power in there. I mean, I I mean, just looking at it like straight on, it looked like you guys were getting really in there with a lot of your blows. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Um, I've heard that Davey's stiff before, but I've, you know, like, that's fine. That's what it needs to be, you know? Yeah. That's what it was supposed to be, you know? Uh, It has to be that way. So (laughs) I thought he was fine. Okay, cool. Just wondering. I like Davey a lot. I was just wondering because it looked like he was at some point. Both of you were hitting each other very, very hard. Um, what, it, yeah. On that note, you know, you guys are two big guys. Um, do you think it's easier or harder to be a big man like you two right now in pro wrestling? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that the general direction that things are moving in, in terms of uh, the majority of what people are seeing now in pro wrestling, is sort of like a hybrid lucha libre sort of style where you know there's a lot of lucha libre in in just i guess if you want to call western or modern pro wrestling now more than ever um lucha libre has kind of been blended into things so i mean i'm a great base and i lucha libre i've been working in mexico for almost four years now and, and i grew up watching lucha libre too um i don't necessarily incorporate much of their offense in my style but i know how to read it um, I know how to play with it. I know how to incorporate and engage it. Uh, I think I'm probably a pleasure to work with versus some of the other Lucha Libre hybrid style guys because I'm not landing on anyone. <laughs> so maybe I'm a, a breath of fresh air. But in terms of uh, finding work, I find still just as much work, if not more work now than I did five years ago. And I think that um, mixing different types of players into the equation um, still needs to be done. Like, it wouldn't be conducive to a successful show to book eight or nine matches, all of the same style. People get burned out after 30 minutes. It's like, how many times can you see a flying something before the audience kind of stops reacting? You know, I think having a mix of different things in the show, you know, for instance, a little bit of comedy, maybe you got to keep in there. Um, you know, you want a technical, uh, technical wrestling match. Or maybe you put Timothy Thatcher in there. You want big men in there. Maybe you put uh, Harry in there Lance, uh, Lance Hoyt, you know what I mean? Um, then if you want, uh, you know, hybrid Lucha Libre style, maybe you put Douglas James in there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's on, on a seven to nine match card. I think that there's still enough room to, to put those players in there. And then, you know, you want to top it off with a, with a crazy main where everything is in there. You put Pentagon in there with somebody. So. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, I guess the end is in the beginning here. I'll, I'll wrap it up by saying, uh, what did you think about at the time, Dean Ambrose, who has gone on to become John Moxley, sitting in the balcony watching your match at Bloodsport? 
<laughs> surreal. <laughs> it was pretty surreal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he had some very interesting company that night. He, so for so many reasons, I was very glad that I attended that night. It's true. Also, I'll, 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 I'll say uh, it was uh, him, and I think William Regal was also there that night, scouting talent, I would believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to talk about it. I understand. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I was there. I know who was there. I saw him up there. I know what they were doing watching you you guys down in the ring. Uh, Cross, you, uh, you were fantastic to talk to. I want to thank you for your candor. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview? I'd just like to thank anyone who's ever supported me from day one, and I mean that sincerely. It's, it's not something I think I'm supposed to say. Um, my uh, career has been on an expedited track um, in comparison to a lot of others from the time I started, and uh, it's definitely because people have given me their time and their willingness to be entertained. And uh, you know, I, I have a, uh, a gratitude for that that I words elude me in terms of trying to express that. So thank you very much. And if you have any more time for me, check out KillerCross.com. It has all my social media attached to it, merchandise, uh, backstories, and uh, it probably has over 100 hours of free video content that I've been logging since the beginning of my career. So if you're still just getting to know me, you're still just getting to know the character, you can find all the media associated with them completely for free on that, uh, on that website. Thank you, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you to Killer Cross for granting me this interview. Very rare. Few and far between, this guy talks anymore. You got to hear it here today on the show. I really enjoyed that one. I hope you all did as well. If you like the show, you like the Winkly, you like our post shows, you like our other content, go over to the Wrestling Inc. audio channel on iTunes. Subscribe. Five-star ratings. Nice comments. Always appreciated. Every Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time, me and Raj Geary, we're back with Winkly TV over on the Ringside Wrestling app. It is free to download. Lots of great content. Uh, we're going to have a cool announcement about Ringside Wrestling this week and about a special uh, show they're going to be doing that you all can participate in from home. Uh, I'll tease it at that, but we'll have more info coming out about Ooh. that. And then tomorrow on the show, we are going to have two interviews. First, we are going to have ECW original, the Blue Meanie. He's going to be here talking about Paul Heyman's new role with WWE, talking about the art of gimmicking steel chairs and a lot more. Also on the show, I have about tomorrow's going to be a long show, by the way. Um, I have an hour-long interview I did with America's Got Talent, Season 8 runner-up, and big pro wrestling fan. You may have seen him at StarCast. Taylor Williamson. Are you familiar with Taylor? I'm not. Oh, man. This guy's a very, very funny man. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's doing all the comedy shows. He's a big part of StarCast now as well. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite parts of the conversation tomorrow, and we get into a lot because we're both comics, and we were both kind of delirious when we recorded this, which is why it went so goddamn long. Um, it's all very good. Um, but I, I asked him how much America's Got Talent is scripted and uh, is put together like a pro wrestling show. And huh. um, we kind of went down a rabbit hole about how the two shows are a little bit the same, like an episode of AGT and, and Monday Night Raw. So, Interesting. I, I love your celebrity interviews. This is awesome. I, I love to hear that we're getting more of, of those kinds of guys talking about pro wrestling and, and entertainment as well. That's fantastic. And this nine-year-old next week, Michael, <laughs> AJ... <laughs> Uh, is that are you, is that a jab at me? I'm interviewing yeah. a nine year old every Tuesday on the Weekly. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, all right, uh, and that's it, Michael. What do you want to plug, put over here before we wrap it up? 
Uh, as always, I always encourage you guys, follow me on Twitter. I am at The Real Wiseman. You can get my live tweets throughout every pro wrestling show, or at least the ones that I stay awake for. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I am at wiseman.ma, and I like to plug pictures of my cute kittens and a puppy. But also, I'm working on an article this week, Nick, uh, that fans might find interesting. We're talking about Eric Bischoff, so yeah. i got to actually formally pitch this to you and Raj. But, you know, um, what was it like the last time Eric Bischoff had creative control? And if I remember correctly, that was in TNA. So uh, we can look back at that and see how that endeavor went. I'm very interested in that, uh, especially with the, the reports we've had about the people working with Eric in TNA. Um, all right. Everybody. I remember it not being good, but I guess we'll find out. I guess we're going to find out. All right, everybody. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>